Revivify, design and building pros podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Revivify podcast. I'm your host, Grace Mace. Today, I'm here with Abby Will. Abby is a research associate and associate project director of Remodeling Futures Program at the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. She manages and contributes research to improve America housing reports and research brief series administers the quarterly leading indicator of remodeling activities known as LARA, which we all rely heavily on to help us navigate through our journeys as our heads are down in the trenches. I'm super excited to speak with Abby here today on Revivify. Welcome, Abby. Thank you so much, Grace. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this discussion. I feel like I'll be drinking from the fire hose today. The sheer volume of incredible insights you'll be focused on over the years, and we get to learn from you. So please share with us how you got started. Yeah, so I've been researching the housing industry and home improvements in particular, uh, home remodeling and maintenance repair activities in the U.S., for my entire career, really. So since 2006, I've been with the Joint Center for Housing Studies. I started as a summer research intern and, you know, just continued, uh, moved up the ladder a little bit there and, you know, have been working with the Remodeling Futures Program within the Joint Center for Housing Studies for the last, what, 15 years or so. And yeah, I, I mean, it's been a terrific journey, really. The center has been a really wonderful place to, to work. The people are fabulous there just really top-notch insights into into housing and, and and remodeling and you know kind of learning from from the experts for sure over the years and trying to do my best to contribute to that too. Well that's incredible. That's amazing. 15 years just analyzing data, monitoring the changes of our remodeling industry. And I would like to get your perspective like from the time you started your career to where we are now. What are some aha moments or wow moments that you discover? Yeah, well, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, right? So when I started uh, researching the, the housing and home improvement industries back in 2006, I mean, that was, you know, kind of peak housing boom time in the U.S., and remodeling too, and very quickly then turned to the mortgage market crisis, the fallout from that housing boom, the overbuilding that, that occurred and the overspending that occurred and subprime mortgage crisis and, and leading into the great recession, you know, up until this past recession with the pandemic, you know, the, the deepest recession we've seen in the U.S. Um, since the Great Depression. And so it was a fascinating time to be studying the industry back then and then coming out of the, the great recession and, you know, going through through the recovery. And then of course, you just, you continue to see the cyclicality in the industry and in particular this last year, which of course was so out of left field, the, the pandemic and the, and the impacts on the market that we saw this past year. But it just seems like there's just always something fascinating to be uncovering and understanding and trying to really unpack all of those pieces. And then, of course, outside of all of that, outside of kind of the cyclical nature of the industry and the, the big upturns and big downturns, potentially, there's just kind of the everyday stuff, the, the demographics behind housing and homeownership and rentership and how that changes over time, too. And so it's it's been a really terrific experience learning about that over the last however many years and, and thinking about the longer term historical trends. And what does that mean? And what can we learn from that moving forward to you? And I love it because as tough as this may, this year has been, but it's definitely give us a reevaluating how things should be going forward. 
So let's dig dig a little bit deeper in terms of how COVID has impacted homeowner and making decisions, remodeling decisions. What do you think are these major changes within law just by nature with this past year versus previous 15 years? Right. So the past year was really obviously remarkable on, on so many levels for the industry, for the world, for our economy, and for individuals, people, and, and households, and families. So what we saw last year was the very beginning of the pandemic, really when we all went on lockdown to, to some degree, and, and there was a lot of unknowns, right, and a lot of uncertainty. And it really looked like it could be just a very dire situation, not just for the economy more broadly, but for housing and, and for home improvements. We originally, looking back to our April 2020 lira, we were projecting a, a complete about face for the, the remodeling industry that instead of some decent growth in 2020, we were thinking we were going to go negative for sure. And then a month or two or three months, kind of later spring into the summer, it really turned around remarkably quickly for housing and, and home improvements. And we can talk about all of the, the factors around that, but really what we saw was that with so many folks spending so much more time at home during the pandemic, whether that was working from home, schooling from home, doing your entertaining, all of your entertaining at home, whether that's just within your household or maybe outdoors, doing entertaining outdoors, that being the safer option for folks, that home was was a huge part of everyone's lives last year. And it was on everyone's mind day in and day out when you're spending all that time at home. You're looking around and, and first of all, trying to make some changes that you really need to make, right? Like if you need space for your, your home office all of a sudden, or if you need a space for your kids to do schoolwork all of a sudden during the day, you know, being on their, on their computer too while you're on yours, you have to make some changes pretty quickly. And so we saw that really become a bright spot for the remodeling industry. And, and part of that is really DIY projects. A, a lot of homeowners just doing what they could to kind of freshen up their space, you know, whether that was painting or doing some, some minor projects, maybe even maintenance and repair projects that they needed to do just feel better about being in the in the house all the time. Or maybe it was even delayed projects, you know, the stuff that you had kind of piled up around the house of like, oh yeah, I'll get to that someday when I have time. And then all of a sudden we kind of had like all the time in the world. So so yeah, we saw that the remodeling industry really bounced back, especially on like the DIY smaller projects. We can talk about some of some of the other parts of the market too, but that that was a, a surprise to us initially that that happened so quickly and, and, and so robustly that homeowners were really doing whatever they could to kind of make their homes just feel better or make themselves feel better about just having to, to be in the situation we all found ourselves in. I love your thoughts process. I mean, it's true. We all been at home. It's one of those moments where we feel like we just want something that we have control over. And just like you mentioned, painting a house or doing some DIY, it gives it that sense of fulfillment, satisfaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. A little bit of, yeah, a sense of control and pleasure when there's so much other uncertainty and unhappiness otherwise happening around you or in the world that at least you can feel like, well, I'm, I'm home, I have to be home, and at least I can be like happy and, and secure and healthy here. So. so I think these changes are good for the industry, right? What's your thought? 
Yeah, I mean, right. So the increased emphasis on home, that it's top of mind for folks, that they're just much more kind of almost like laser focused on on, on their home and, and making it healthy, making it secure, making it work for them or work better for them, whatever the situation they might find themselves in. That that I think is a huge plus for the industry and for the market that I think you know, is probably likely to to last, that we won't see a quick shift necessarily, that I think the, the pandemic just really made home top of mind for so many folks that yeah, I, I think that ultimately the DIY activity, the the increased smaller project activity, that may or may not sustain, right? So that that may or may not be a, a long term shift in the industry, and and we could argue that it, it probably won't be. But again, the just the increased fact, you know, the increased emphasis on home and being home, I think that'll ultimately result in a lot more interest and remodeling activity and repair activity that might not have really occurred in the same time frame over the next however many years. Right. Now let's unpack a little bit. You mentioned about, yes, the trend is going this way. The trajectory is pretty crazy. And we're bound to see some sort of slowdown at some point because people will be going back to work. The focus may be shift a little bit. They may be shifting over or even their budget may shift over to traveling entertainment a little bit more than they have been in the past year. So what other challenges that you see that will impact our industry? In the next couple of years, sure. So uh, we've heard a lot of talk about a, a K-shaped recovery in the broader economy, and I think that means a lot for remodeling too. That you know we've seen some portion of households and of homeowners who've kind of come through the the pandemic at least to date doing okay, right? Like they they kept their jobs, they worked from home, as you pointed out, weren't spending for vacations or travel or eating out. And so they had a lot more money to work with in terms of planning to do projects or doing projects or planning for future home improvements. And then we have another portion of the population who are are just in the complete opposite situation where large job losses or large, large income losses with job losses and really struggling to make their housing payments and certainly not not thinking about even what more can I do, kind of just sitting on, on, on everything else until they kind of can get back in the economy and get, get working again. And, and in particular, we think about parts of the economy that are have been just much more deeply impacted by the pandemic. So folks working in, in the restaurant industry and in the hospitality industry and tourism, which is of course locational too, then that some parts of the country, some metros, we think will be much more impacted by the pandemic, you know, downturn, recession, uh, and job losses. You can think about metros like Orlando or Las Vegas potentially taking a, a lot longer time to kind of recover from this last year. But right, kind of thinking, you know, longer term, post-pandemic, kind of DIY, smaller project activities, certainly we could see that that could revert back to kind of the long-term trend. And that actually had been declining, that the the share of spending for DIY projects as a total market size had been coming down pretty steadily over the last 10, 20 years. And that partly is due to our, our aging population, older homeowners less likely to do DIY projects. But we actually saw that trend across all ages. So even, even the youngest homeowners, their share of spending for DIY 
projects have been coming down too before the pandemic. And we can think about with with millennials, the millennial generation, maybe just not having the same interest or skill level necessarily to do like a, a, a successful DIY project or to feel like they want to undertake one or, or could undertake one. That could be part of that part of the explanation there. I think also maybe time time constraints that we just seem to have like so much more that can consume our time that is distracting potentially from wanting to undertake a, a DIY project and you know not wanting to spend spend the time to do that when you can you can hire a pro to help. So we think increased activity that we saw post pandemic or, or with the pandemic in DIY and small projects might not hold up over over the longer term. We might revert back to a, a more normal share of the market. As you pointed out, as people are going back to work and, and, and going back to kind of like normal lives, traveling and kids doing sports activities, you just don't find that you have the same amount of time or you're just not spending as much time at home. But of course, then we can think about bigger projects, the the more discretionary projects, kitchen bath remodels, room additions, the types of projects that people kind of love to do, they're exciting to do, they're fun to do in a way, that those projects we think were certainly a smaller part of the market last year. And, and again, kind of had been trending to be a smaller part of the market kind of overall. That could shift back, we think, with a more normal market and a more normal economy that homeowners will feel like they can kind of get back to planning those bigger projects moving forward, you know, kind of post post pandemic. So that's something that we're we're kind of trying to understand better and see see where that unfolds. But yeah, we would expect to see increased activity on that end for sure. Well that's really exciting because I think since COVID, we actually on our platform we can see interest in these kind of healthy home design or wellness approach. What are things that you have seen in terms of home design over this past past year or so. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really great one to start with healthy healthy homes. That's an area of the industry that we had been doing some research in over the last however many years trying to understand that as an emerging niche in the remodeling industry and right we think that with the the pandemic healthy housing is likely to see some really good growth in coming years and so in particular focus on indoor air quality you know the the, the surveys that we'd seen that we'd done pre-pandemic indoor air quality was always one of the top uh, concerns that homeowners who were already kind of thinking about healthy housing, that was one of their top issues. And can think about that with kids with, with asthma or anyone in the household who might have asthma, being sensitive to dust or mold in the home or other home building materials that might have some off-gassing that be concerned you can to kind of minimize those impacts on your house. And then with the pandemic, certainly folks thinking about how are we filtering our air? How are we refreshing the air in our home? Are we doing it enough, often enough? Are we really getting the best indoor air quality we can? And so I think that's going to be something that, that, that comes out of the pandemic that we might not have seen quite as, as much of a bump the next couple of years here. And of course, it is yet to be seen. I don't know that we've really seen the, the data on that yet, but that's our expectation that homeowners will be thinking much more top of mind when they're doing a, a home remodeling project, you know, what, whatever type of project it might be, that thinking about how can I do what I want, but also make my home healthier is something that I think people will be thinking about and talking about and asking about. 
Absolutely. That's a really good point. And the other couple of things that we see, and maybe too early, is the desire for sustainable solutions. Homes are also looking at adding solar panels and looking on water treatments potentially to address the gray water, separating those water. And that to me is actually quite exciting to think about. People are more conscious about the environment they occupy and how to not waste more uh, necessarily. So yeah, absolutely. So energy efficiency, retrofits, um, sustainability as part of remodeling projects, again, whether it's a component of, of a bigger project or or that that could be the focus of, of a project to, to use uh, sustainable products and, and projects. And we had seen growing interest in, in green, what we call green remodeling. You know, that's kind of the, the broad umbrella for capturing whether it was an energy retrofit or a sustainability focused project. And we think too that those types of projects certainly go hand in hand with disaster repairs too. So when we have more frequent uh, storm activity, more severe storm activity. I think folks are obviously thinking about the impacts of climate change and what does that mean for your housing and your neighborhood and what could you do potentially to, you know, think about making your, your home more resilient to the impacts of climate change, you know, whether that is just more frequent severe storms. And we obviously think about the big storms, hurricanes and wildfires and flooding. And those are obviously very serious disasters that that impact local housing, but even just a hailstorm coming through or a windstorm coming through will do pretty severe damage potentially to your roofing, your siding, your windows, whatever. And, and so I think that's something that folks who might also be thinking about energy efficiency and making their home more sustainable, thinking about the, the, the impact on, on the climate, if I can do this to help lessen some of that damage those are all going hand in hand for owners that are thinking about doing a green remodeling or sustainable remodeling. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really exciting area of, of our industry is looking more forward. How do we begin to be responsible to the longevity of our industry, delivering a service that actually will help the family itself, but also long-term as industry, how do we push forward, make sure we grow, make them more resilient altogether, not only the buildings, but as a profession industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really terrific point that we might get a little bit short-sighted, right? That we're just thinking about this quarter or this year or whatever. But yeah, we can think about 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road. And you can argue that we need to, to some degree. I mean, that that we shouldn't be so short-sighted in the industry. We hope, certainly with our research, our work, at the Joint Center, that we hope that the the historical hindsight, looking back at, at activity over the last decade or two decades, that that might give us some insights into into future activity too, or just to understand that that there there are long term trends in the industry that do shift and do change, and we can certainly apply some of that to where we think the the markets are heading in the short term as well as kind of the longer term. Now, I'd like to switch a gear just for a few minutes. You talked about the demographic. I think about there's obviously various uh, distinguished uh, demographic that they have specific needs. First one is millennials, their desire of interacting with technology, rather it's managing a project to using a system like ours to implementing Internet of Things solutions in their homes, such as 
mobile access smart home solutions. That's an interesting group to study when they have such a, like, I believe it's a $30 trillion of buying power, how they're shifting the conversation of the remodeling homes to the other spectrum of aging in place of their needs. And those are two really big demographics. Do you mind um, share with us a little bit from your perspective, what's going on behind those two demographics? Yeah, so I'll start with older owners. That's an area that our center has been doing a lot of work on, understanding housing for older adults and our research too within Remodeling Futures, looking at accessibility modifications, what is the need and what are homeowners doing? And what we found is that the need is great, right? We have this large existing housing stock. Certainly we see regional differences, regional variations in the in the type of the housing stock. And so some parts of the country find that their typical single family home, for example, is much less accessible with stairs leading up into into the home and multi-story homes and narrow hallways and narrow doors, whereas some other parts of the country have newer housing, relatively newer housing stocks, single floor ranch style, not, not nearly as difficult to to kind of make that work for someone who needs some some accessibility features, whether because of just aging and, and feeling like you want to have some of those features in your home or disability too. So we know that a large, large share of the housing stock is really not even basic access is it's not even reaching basic accessibility you know having like the no step entry and a bedroom and and a, and a full bathroom on the entry level that you don't have to go upstairs to to get to those features and having kind of the extra wide or wider spaces to maneuver into and out of rooms and in particular bathrooms that kind of thing so we think the need is really great that a lot of older homeowners especially knowing that so many continue to say that they choose to stay in their home as they age, that they're wanting to be in their home, certainly wanting to stay in their communities, whether that's because they're their family or have other other strong ties to the community, that in order to do that safely and, and, and in order to stay in your home safely and, he- and healthy, you inevitably would need to do some sort of modifications to, to make it really fit their needs. And so we try to track that part of the market as best we can, trying to understand our homeowners thinking about this, our older homeowners doing this type of work. And certainly we have some data on that to suggest that, yes, it's becoming you know more and more top of mind for folks that they are wanting to, to do what they can to kind of make their homes more accessible. There's a lot to do, though. So we see a lot of potential for continued growth in, in that part of the market. And we think that part of it is a little bit of shifting the the narrative in a way that it used to kind of be that no one wanted to talk about aging, right? Like no one, no one wants to think about when they might need grab bars. But everyone, no matter what, no matter what your age, no matter what your situation, everyone can benefit from the design features of an accessible home. I mean, universal design is the term that the industry has used to indicate that this home works for everyone. It's just it's just easier to use no matter who you are and what you're doing. And so I feel like 
flipping that, right? Like that it's not an aging discussion necessarily. It doesn't have to be just about talking about aging and it doesn't have to be kind of all those, those potential negative connotations around having accessibility features. It can really just be about, we can do this at like, if we're doing a remodeling project, if we're working on your bathroom, we can incorporate these elements that will make this an, an easier space to use now, as well as in the future, potentially when you might need it. So yeah, so I think that's really interesting and, and certainly something that we think will be just kind of growing and growing and growing as our population continues to age. I love it. I mean, just make it universal. I'm thinking about the basic need of not having steps in the front. Imagine not to be trip over. It doesn't matter age. It could be a little one that a millennial with their young family that could actually benefit everybody. Exactly, exactly. Bringing groceries in, bringing a carriage or a stroller into the house, in or, in or out of the house. I mean, exactly. It can work so much better for everyone. It doesn't have to be specifically about aging or, or disability even. But but yeah, and, and, and then in terms of the millennials, you've touched on the one aspect in particular, home automation, as a, again, a growing part of the industry that we've been certainly trying to understand better as, a, as an emerging and growing part of the industry. and knowing that that we do have this generation millennials and and the generations behind them right who are who are digital natives and almost just expect that everything in their life should work to some degree with technology right like that's kind of just a given and so when it doesn't specifically on their phone right <laughs> yes well exactly specifically on the phone like if i can't do it on my phone what good is it yeah <laughs> And so, so that's been fascinating to like see unfold. And, and we think there's, again, a lot of potential there for the future of, of home automation and, and what that might look like and what that means. Again, whether it is kind of the keyless entries or being able to, to operate windows, shutters, shades, uh, remotely lighting, remotely controlling your heating and cooling when you're not even at home. I mean, that's that's just amazing to think that that's something that we could all use and enjoy in our homes. And so, yeah, kind of the more widespread use of that and, and installation and retrofitting of homes to, to incorporate those elements. And again, millennials, that could be the, the push and the emphasis there coming from that generation, kind of demanding those features. The technology can do it. Like, let's, let's do it. Of course, it's a no-brainer. But also thinking that those same features, those same home automation features can be helpful to any age, any generation. And in particular, again, thinking about older older adults aging uh, in their homes, home automation could be huge, a huge part of, of staying in their homes, again, safely and comfortably. That's a very good point. Thank you. And now, what gets you excited about the home remodeling industry? Oh, boy. I mean... <laughs> Everything really isn't a part of the industry that that I don't find fascinating. It's all just a fabulous industry to be studying, if you ask me. But but I know I'm biased. So, in particular, I think uncovering the meaning in the data. I mean, so I I work with data. I, I look at a lot of numbers, and I try to to uncover the meaning in those numbers. Right? Like, there's a lot of data out there, and there's a lot of data to to look at. But what does it mean? And so that obviously is something that just I really genuinely enjoy and and get a lot of excitement in uncovering the meaning in the data and sharing what the insights might be in the data. You know, remodeling is. A massive industry, you know, $450 billion a year spent on 
home improvements and maintenance and repairs in, in the U.S. It's a it's a huge in- industry, and I I still feel like there's a lot of light left to be shed on the industry that even though it's such a, a large industry, it, it's also a very fragmented industry. And so I feel like it's, 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 it is complicated to really understand and pick apart all of those pieces. And, and, and the data doesn't always exist or it doesn't always, you know, get tracked as well as I, I think it should be as well as, you know, I think this industry deserves. And so, yeah, it's a little bit of like trying to understand what's happening with maybe without, you know, the best data, and again, really exciting to, to be able to uncover what we can, you know, do what we can with the data we have to help folks who are either working in the industry, studying the industry, investing in the industry, whatever, that can, you can hopefully gain some, some good insights from the work that we do. So that's, that's where I get my enjoyment. <laughs> no, I love it. The fact that you're able to help us holistically as industry looking at how do we move forward and where we came from. And where are we now? I think those three points are so critical for us to understand how to adjust and how to adapt at the same time. Now, you touch a really good point of our industry is such a fragmented from one contractor to another contractor within the same city would have different practices, different way of approaching things, and let alone from one state to another state. And so for homeowner, on the other hand, they don't know what they don't know and try to navigate through these com- complicated, fragmented industry it's hard. Oftentimes is that there's a inefficiency also placed into that. And for us, think about the exciting part, where we're going forward as remodeling is how to bring using technology more effectively and collect that data, be able to share that data, like what you have been doing for us to be really focused on what is it that we individually can do to contribute to the greater goods of the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's all exactly, you know, along the lines of like how we think about what the industry means for for the broader economy again, that it's such a major part of our economy, but then on a, on an individual level too, thinking about those interactions, those individual interactions between contractors and, and homeowners. There's yeah. always something new, something to learn because the dynamic is so different. It's not one plus one doesn't necessarily equal to two all the time. Exactly. Because there's some motion involved and there's various factors, as you mentioned earlier. And multifaceted, as you, as you mentioned too, You're right? Fragmented, but multifaceted. And so, yeah, exactly. Just a lot of layers, a lot of layers to, to understand and unpack. Yeah. It's, for me, it's fun to wake up in the morning, jump out the bed. It's like, what problem do I get to learn and study and figure out how to solve? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you provide so much great information. I do want to ask, what's your secret of success? Secret of success, my goodness. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit cliche to to say, but it is a little bit of, you know, just follow your passion that, and actually a little bit of maybe don't, don't necessarily try to plan that passion. If you're open to ideas and, and experiences and, and new things, then you might find yourself exploring like totally different passions than maybe you had entertained in the beginning of your career, potentially. Certainly, my background is in economics, both undergrad and my master's degree. And coming out of my programs, I didn't necessarily even have housing on my radar. So it was something that was there, but it was there among like many other fields that I thought I would enjoy 
researching and, and, and working in. So I kind of fell into housing a little bit in the beginning, but as soon as I was in it, I was hooked. And, and I think just being open to, to being curious about your world and, and then following, you know, what really makes you happy. So again, yeah, I know that might sound a little cliched, but I feel it's just true. It's just true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I love it. It's so genuine because for many young folks coming in the industry and listening to what you just described, sometimes all of us have this imposter syndrome, like we're not good enough. I don't know. I need to do this, but I couldn't do this, but be open yeah. willing to try things. And then before you know, you're stumbling something that you could be extraordinarily passionate about and, and contribute and ha- make such a great impact for greater goods. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Abby. If you'd like to learn more about Abby Will at the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies, be sure to check out the website at www.jchs.harvard.edu and you'll find Abby Will there. I hope you enjoy listening and learning from Abby Will of the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. And thank you so much for joining us at this episode of Revivify Podcast. We'll see you next time. Brought to you by Bayrap.